Hey, and welcome to this final special report from Sales on Frontline on the 10th edition rules on the Leviathan box set. Now, kicker, I'm taking the lead on this one because yeah. uh, we, we've been going through the rules and uh, rather than going through every single change, because there's going to be lots of other folks out there doing that, I decided to, to try to to highlight what I think are the 10 biggest changes from 9th to 10th edition 40K, just to give everyone an idea of some one of the big changes coming up. Now, this is my top 10, and this is in what I believe is the order of uh, smallest change to biggest change. Uh, but if you have your own thoughts, be sure to put them in the comments below uh, and, and tell us what you think some of the biggest changes are that you've seen. Uh, but you ready to kick it off with number 10, Kicker? Dude, I can't wait to see. I mean, I know you've been going through the rule book, trying to figure this all out. So I, I want to know what you think, man. So number 10 is fly. And wow. though you have changed fly in the way it moves in that you still can ignore intervening models when you move. But if you go on top of terrain, you no longer measure just horizontal distance. You measure diagonal distance. Wow. Mind but wrong. it doesn't ignore terrain. So if you completely move over a terrain feature, you pay the up and down movement. Ooh. You know, man, there's going to be so many people getting that wrong for the first few tournaments in 10th. Like, everyone's mm -hmm. going to get that wrong. But, but it it really limits some of the mobility of those, like, flying vehicles and flying monsters. But if you think about it, if, you know, my, 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 fl my flyer, this was an example that came up uh, with some friends and I, is moving 20 inches across straight ground if it has to fly over a three-story ruin with the same amount of movement it's not going 20 inches in more yeah. like it's spending some effort so you, you know seth what's really interesting about that is that it's going to impact us frontline gaming and other event organizers on how tall terrain features are yeah Certainly that, not that, that really becomes important impactful. that yeah. becomes important yeah cool. So, cool, cool. uh number nine uh, uh, the introduction of universal special rules. Now, I know that a lot of people want to put this higher on their list. Um, and a lot of things that they introduced into the USRs were, were good things. They, they quantified deep strike, stealth, precision, other these rules that we've talked about. They added some new ones uh, in there. But overall, um, my, my gut feeling was that there wasn't a ton of new rules in the USR section that weren't already basically existing in normal play they just kind of codified them and, and made them all the same universal language which is great uh to make it easy to communicate between players but it wasn't a ton of new rules there uh what did you guys think nikki d take it what do you think man yeah hey folks nikki d and uh happy to jump the in on this one on. i know head headless voice in the in, in the warp once again no i i like it there's a lot of rules which may be similar i don't know how many times i've had an opponent check the rule because I, in my codex, be it demons or blood angels or death guard, things work a certain way, but they say it works a little bit different. So to me, it helps even out those little rough edges that come mm -hmm. up from from time to time. It's not the end of the world, but I think this is a much simpler change. But Seth, I, I would agree, uh, makes things easier. But all in all, um, it's not something that impacts every minute of every game that you're playing. I mean, guys, you know, Nikki D, you're right. Seth, you're right. I will be honest when I heard that we're going the way the USRs is like, oh, man, are we going to lose a little bit of that that flavor? Uh, you know, having the unique verbiage for each army, like, no, 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 it's totally worth it. We don't need to have 30 different names. Wait, yeah, it makes it easier for us to communicate as yeah. players to each other. Yeah. I can tell you, Kicker, that this unit has infiltrate and your unit has, you can tell me, has feel pain and we know immediately what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the so benefits just, it, outweigh the little bit of the fluffiness. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome All stuff. Right. You guys ready for number eight? Let's do it. 
This one's going to hit close to heart for you, Kicker. Terrain streamlining. They have streamlined a lot of the terrain rules. Um, and essentially, and we've seen a lot of those rules already in the preview articles, um, but essentially we would, in colloquial terms, be like, this is a ruin. And we all knew that in ninth edition, ruins had breachable, obscuring, scalable, defensible, etc., like cover. And now, rather than having to say, all of these things are on my ruin. You just say it's a ruin. And that automatically says these are the rules that apply to it. Uh, so it makes it a lot easier. Um, basically, the benefit, there's just one benefit of cover now. There's not heavy cover, light cover, and dense cover. It's just benefit of cover, which is plus one to your save. Uh, so that helps a lot to, to ease uh, some gameplay. And the removal of dense cover uh, really yeah. doesn't it, it gets a little less finicky because then there's like am i measuring this line and that line and do i have the right angle so that my unit doesn't take a minus one so it's kind of smoothed all that out and made it a lot more simplified now some folks don't want more simplified terrain but i think in terms of making it quicker and easier to play which has always been gw's stated goal i think they have streamlined and simplified the terrain yeah and, and correct me if i'm wrong seth but i think there's only six types of terrain mm -hmm. and the, the, it's six types of, is pretty easy and the fact that they're for lack of a better word, universal, you know, that mm -hmm. they're, they're stated in the core rule, but it doesn't make a difference if you're playing in Tokyo or you're playing in Nebraska. Everyone understands how the train is going to function on the table, which yeah. has been a problem, especially things like the LVO, where we've got people coming in from around the world where, yes, it's a ruin, but people play it slightly different, you know, or yep. have slightly yep. different expectations. So here it's that crater has a set of, set of rules. There's no question about it. So, yep. Good stuff. Yep. Good so stuff. that that's very, I, I like that. Uh, I, you know, I, I like the simplicity of the train. Uh, Nikki, Nikki, what do you think? Yeah, Seth, so I'm just going to point out that is a great rule, number eight, but uh, eight, eight is Korn's number, right? And <laughs> mm -hmm. you've got a rule that you noted at number seven that yeah, uh, yeah. is very much involved in something that Korn loves a whole lot. So do you want to jump I, into but that? I thought, I thought it was more important, so I had to put it at number seven. <laughs> uh, but our number seven is the how the fight order work and engagement works now. Um, so engagement range is still one inch. Uh, but units can fight either if they're within engagement range, aka one inch of your enemy, or you're in base-to-base -base contact with a friendly model that's within base-to-base -base contact of an enemy model. So they have shortened the the distance that a unit can fight because before you could be half an inch from a friendly unit that was half an inch from an enemy yeah. model. They've closed that gap. And now there's just two fight steps. There's the fight first, and then there's the fight normal. And fight first you get when you charge. I'm sure some other units will have ways to get fight first. But importantly, they have changed it so that the player whose turn it is not always is the first one in each step. So if you, I don't know, say demon-loving Nikki had a bunch of Slanesh maybe that had a bunch of fight first or something, and I charged in his orcs, he would get the first activation if he had fight first natively in his army. So that massively buffs fight first and it massively cleans up the 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 fine detail of measuring and, and trying to maneuver to get your models in you can just literally just smash them in base to base there you go we're done we no it's no it's not arbitrary it's either they're in base to base or they're not you know right yep. i mean like i can't you tell you guys one inch bubble and then after that it's base to base you're using those little widgets and your little tape measure am i half an inch within this guy i can't tell yeah. you know base to base or not it's easy 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 to use cool nikki do you, yeah. do you want to fight first yes yes well and i'm a big fan of this uh of this change again it's one of those items where 
especially for newer players. It was an item that was a cause for a lot of <laughs> heartache and heartache. headache, yep. trying to figure out those parts of it. And to yep. me, this was always one of those where it was very much an art uh, as finesse into how to do that well. But it was also one where it just as frequently led to feels bad for players. So I think this is an area where it is still going to reward players with that have appropriate and proper movement. That is the mm -hmm. most important part of this game. But it is one where I think it's easier to understand for all the players. So keeping with, I guess, that mantra of simplified, but not simple in that how this yes. is still going to work. It is still going to take tactics. It is still going to take a thoughtful approach. All right. Our number six. I actually, when I saw this rule when I was reading to the book, I had to read it like two or three times. I then went off and sought multiple uh, <laughs> high level judge opinions to make sure I was reading it right. But our number six change is a change to big guns never tire. Now, big guns never tire is the rule that allows monsters to shoot in, or vehicles to and shoot vehicles, yeah. in their engagement. But now they can shoot out of combat as yes. well. So if you engage a vehicle or monster, it can shoot out of that combat. It will take a minus one penalty to its shooting rolls. But the flip side is you can also now shoot monsters or vehicles that are engaged with friendly units. Yeah. Uh, so they aren't safe hiding in combat, but they also aren't shut down by being in combat. So I think that's a huge change to how vehicles and monsters are able to operate. Shooting vehicles and monsters are basically always going to be able to operate now. Um, and if you think about when they bracket, a lot of these guys have in their data sheets, when they get a below certain wounds, you subtract one to your hit roll. You can't have multiple minus ones. Yeah. So doesn't matter. I'm minus one to hit already. I'll shoot out of combat, shoot whatever I want. So I think that's a big boost in the uh, efficiency to those models, but also uh, prevents them from the combat ones from touching a little unit and avoiding uh, any repercussions for so it. So I'm going to try to be neutral here. Despite me being a tank loving guard player, I'm trying to be neutral here. I think this is an amazing rule because it also just seems more realistic. I hated when orcs would take one little grot and touch my tank and suddenly my tank can't do anything but fire at the stupid grot that it would basically roll over. It makes it a little bit more, I don't want to say realistic, but makes it a little bit more realistic. And, and to be fair, the orcs wouldn't care about the grot touching the tank. They would still shoot the tank. <laughs> right? <laughs> so there we go. There we go. There we go. So I, I, I think that this is um, a beautiful update. All right. <laughs> uh, Let's move on to our number five. This one is is huge. Number five is the movement of desperate escape and emergency disembarkation from stratagems to core rules. So your units are always able to uh, break out if they are trapped in combat. And if your opponent has completely blocked out that three-inch bubble in which you would get out of a vehicle, you can always go to that six-inch. Now, they have changed the lethality of these uh so before when you would try to do an emergency disembarkation you have to roll it on ones and twos you would slay models now it's on one twos and threes that unit takes mortal wounds so it's a little bit better for for multi-wound model units um about the same for single wound model units uh, and then same thing with desperate escape it used to be you know you roll and on a one the model dies now it's a one two or three you take a mortal wound on that unit, but it basically means you can never be trapped in combat at this point unless someone is able to literally completely bubble out and cover the entire area around your model's movement <laughs> radius with their models, at which point I think you just you shake their hand and say, good job. They, they earned that. They earned that. They did. They really Nikki earned Nikki D, uh, as a melee player, are you happy about this? I mean, did you try to trap in you know, units? Was that a thing that you were frequently doing? I think every melee player player does. So 
but it's an item where uh, I, I think, again, you can move back or you, you have the option to do so. It's not without its own risks in doing so. So there's a, a point and a counterpoint, um, like some of the other rules. It's another area where a player is given a choice or a way to not be stuck in a certain situation, but it comes with downside to it. So again, I think this is an area where I, I think this sort of rule can also be weaponized in a way um, mm -hmm. by players that are uh, very much on top of their tactics. So it's an area where I think a lot of newer players are going to enjoy having this as an option. But even at high level tables, I think this is I think this is something that we're going to see used. Cool. All right. Kicker. Our next one, uh, if, if number five hurt hurt the combat armies, number four is who boy is going to be a big one. Oh, no. Number four is the change to pile in and consolidate as well as charge moves. Okay. Charge moves now, if you are able to end your charge in base-to-base -base contact with your target unit, you have to. And then the same thing applies to pile in and consolidate. If using your pile in movement of three inches or your consolidate movement of three inches, you are able to get base-to-base -base with an enemy unit, you have to do it. Yeah. So there is no more kind of skating around a unit and getting, you know, point one inches closer, but moving three inches side to side and then kind of slowly moving around a unit to either a wrap them or b touch other units. Um, it's that's really going to uh, cut down on a lot of the shenanigans that you could pull during the fight phase, cut down on the feels bads. Um, but overall, it's it's definitely going to hurt combat armies because sometimes they needed to use those shenanigans just to stay alive to the next turn. Wait, so so hot take real fast. I know we're not through all top 10, but it seems like gar shooty armies are having a little bit more uh, love so far. They, I think overall, I would say shooting got a buff in the form of big guns never tire, yeah. and then most everything else change wise. Uh, if if there was any nerfs, it was to combat. So yeah. I'd say, yeah, you know, invest in guns, folks. Yeah, forty k guns, forty k guns. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki D, what do you think? Another combat player, another tool from your toolbox. Yep, limitations that come in there. The biggest thing is going to be, you know, scoring for the game and how many points things are going to cost. So definitely shooting is, uh, stock is high and sh for shooting armies in the game. Yeah. Tanks, <laughs> Buy monsters. Buy shooting! Yeah. Buy shooting. <laughs> Tanks, monsters, they're, they're definitely incentivized and pushed based on what we've seen so far. But it's all going to come down to how many points these things cost and how do you score points because... I can get tabled. I can have nothing left by the end of the game, but I might have more points than my opponent. So I, I agree, but it's not all gloom and doom just yet. Okay. okay. Just yet. Right. I'm not hitting the, you're not, you're not not hitting the, the blood angels just yet. yet. Not selling the blood angels just yet. All right. Uh, my number three change was character buffs and characters being able to join units. So they've removed most of the auras from the game. There's no longer six inch bubbles of, of buffing characters. There's a few that still get it like Gilliman. And uh, I think they've shown like uh, uh, big, what's the big ad mech guy? Oh, call call call. Yeah. yeah. So a few of them still have it, but it's not going to be every model in, in the, the, hq slot so to speak um and the fact that those those buffs that those models do convey are mostly by joining units so it makes it very clear that this character is buffing that unit i think they've shown like a, a space marine yep. librarian um that has that ability um so you don't have to worry about this buff getting handed off to 
a bunch of different units and causing a big force multiplying effect. Uh, so I think that is a big change in terms of balance. And also, as far as I'm aware, Kicker, once a character has joined a unit, if that unit dies, that character can't go jump into another unit, right? Yeah, I've not seen. Any, I mean, I've tried to look for this and I can't find it. And I mean, chat, so you know, you got to. You got to be, you know, you can't just be like, you know what, I'm just going to, this fragile shooting unit, I'm going to attach this character to, um, and then when they kill that one, I'm going to hop into the next fragile shooting unit. Like, it, you're you're not going to be able to do that, and those characters are going to die uh, in that scenario. So um, I think it, it makes for very interesting list construction. It puts and, more and emphasis clear, on the units To be clear, I think it's two characters can join one unit, right? Is that the limitation? One character can join a unit unless there's a, an exception otherwise, such as like the Primaris Lieutenant's data sheet it says okay there we go That's it can join a unit that a, a captain's already attached to. okay cool that makes sense then okay. but otherwise it's one character and so one. it's really going to limit the stacking of buffs which i think yeah. is a big thing cool uh let's get into our number two this is huge this is battleshock um it's yeah. been previewed uh to death already on multiple army abilities as well as gw has previewed the main rule but um i think battleshock before morale was not a huge component of the game um Battleshock, I think, is is significantly different in that once a unit is under that half strength, it's testing every uh, friendly player turn. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, in, in previous editions, uh, if Kicker and I are playing a Kicker, you kill all but two of my Gretchen out of a unit of 10, and I pass that initial morale check, those two Gretchen are totally fine to go hide behind a wall on an objective for the rest of the game exactly. and, and, and not have to worry about it. But now, if you do that... I always have to consider the possibility that those Gretchen will fail their 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 battle shock, become an OC of zero, and not be able to hold that objective for me. Yeah. So that is always something that's going to have to be in the back of your mind. It's always going to be something you're keeping track of because not only does it cause you to have an OC of zero, it prevents you from using stratagems on those units, um, and it prevents you from uh, being able to fall back normally. All your fallbacks become desperate escapes. So I think this is definitely a big mechanic, and in actually going to make leadership an important component of the game and, and this is a huge cultural shift right like this is something that you, all of a sudden it's another i don't want to say phase but it's another thing that you're gonna to have to remember mm -hmm. to do every single turn because like you said seth it's going on the entire game now you're gonna to have to check on those two grots so you're just gonna get used to the fact that okay we're done let's go check morale or, or battle shock real fast nikki d what do you think is this going to impact you that much I'm looking forward to it impacting my opponents uh, when I make them take <laughs> oh, Battlestock silly tests. demons. Yeah, whether, I mean, demons, Death Guard traditionally have some have had some things impacting uh, their leadership, or now it'll be Battleshock. Um, I'm very curious. Again, I, I also love my Blood Angels, and in past editions, Death Company were a fearless unit, meaning they always pass. So, like, are there going to be units that automatically get to pass Battleshock or have other? I, I, I hope those are few and far between, but I, I'm really looking forward to it. It's the, the, the leadership. It is a statistic. It's a stat on the data sheet just as much as everything else. So I'm looking forward to it actually having an impact in the game and something that everybody is going to need to be you know checking. Um, ballistic seal and save are not the only things that matter on the data sheet. You know, good point though. I'm just thinking about this, right? That that it, you know, you can force you as demons are going to be able to force more battle shock tests. We know Nids can do it. As we talked in our earlier video regarding the strats for one CP after we roll, so after we've already failed it for one CP, we can force that that pass, which is actually a really nice strat. So I think that strat's going to get used a ton. That's why I said I'm an insane bravery guy now, not a command reroll guy. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for the number one biggest change? The number biggest, one. craziest change out of the entire edition? 
Let's do it. Mind blowing change kicker. What is it? What do we got? CP. CP. Yeah, no. I, I, I know that everyone thinks that's immediately your reaction is that's a letdown. CP's not a huge change. Seven. But the fact that you start every game with zero CP. Yeah, that hurts. That means there is no big wombo combo alpha strike turn one. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're that means two, that if you three. really, really want to do that heroic intervention turn two, you got to save that turn one CP. Yeah, good point. Good point. Because any of those two CP strats... The the first player turn, no one can use them. Period. Good point. Good. So point. if you have a two CP strat in your codex, you're just sitting there not doing anything, and it it really slows the tempo of the game down, and it really prevents those those early haymakers, those alpha strikes that might take you out of the game. Um, so I know it seems like a simple change, uh, but to me that's huge. It's putting everyone on the same footing. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, Seth, just for full, you know, complete sake here, you guys will be getting one CP, just like in ninth edition, mm-hmm. at the beginning of each player's command Correct. phase. So by turn two, you, you you know, if you haven't spent any, you should have a couple of CP in your you pocket. Be on like two or three at that yeah, point, yeah, exactly. depending on what exactly. you've done. But even then, like you know, if 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 you wanted to insane, if I shot your unit kicker, yeah. and you really wanted it to be alive, and I went first, and you went second, you spend your CP. On insane bravery, you're back to just I'm on one CP during my turn. Yeah, no, good point, good point. So uh, it really, do- it really trims down the the pool that we have and really jacks up the value of each one. You know, in speaking of jacking up the value, it also jacks up the the, the value of the units or the enhancements or the special rules that summaries have that allow to generate CP because yep. now yep. you're going to be needing it. Oh, we, we got Nikki D coming in. Yeah, I'll add to that. Not just you know things that generate CP, but with all the rules that Seth and Kicker you guys have have previewed here, the top ten, some of the things we've talked about with stratagems, it puts a lot of the focus on the data sheets themselves and the actual units, not necessarily the leaders, mm-hmm. right? So when we talk about having a good game of 40k and one that is a better balanced game, all of this reads to me as something where a lot of the alpha strikes or a lot of big combo Seth, as you mentioned, those are going to be more difficult to pull off. So, you know, if there are truly units that are taking over the board and taking over events, it's going to be easier for that to be shown in the data and have those adjusted. I think that to me, I mean, again, we're still learning all the things, but that's what this is reading as to me. And I I think that'll be a good game, a good thing for the game in the long run. Yeah, I like that. I think I think you're right. I think this is a good balancing technique. So Uh, that's that's my top 10 changes. Do you guys think I missed any big ones? Kicker, Nikki. No, I mean, I, th- I think, I think that you've got it. I think what's interesting about tenth edition, which is maybe not a, t- is that everyone's starting with with no codex, right? We're yeah. starting this We're off. We're all with, starting on the index phase. Yeah, on index, which is kind of nice. We're all on the same playing field, roughly, you know. Uh, yeah. So that that'll be a nice fresh start. Nikki, D, what do you think? Is there anything else we need to to discuss? Big, big, big points here. Yeah, uh, this would probably be in my top three, and it's something we covered on one of our prior videos. So make sure to check out all the videos. But how we play the missions, guys right yeah, with the yeah. card selection that's a huge yeah. change it is a callback to in a way maelstrom of war in seventh mm-hmm. edition and prior or tempest of war which we've had more recently uh i'm eager to see with it i'm eager to see what tos do with it are they going to yep. pre-select yep. what the missions are are they going to be randomized i think that is just going to be ground for zinch to have his ways and uh forcing <laughs> a lot of change with the the, the games the results of tournaments yeah. so i think the mission selection is going to be the really most interesting thing yeah. yeah, you know, I guys. Think, yeah, I'm edition, very interested in how that gets adopted by the TO community. 
10th edition is, is, is on the horizon. It's big, it's new, but it doesn't have to be scary. Even with all these changes that Seth just went through, mm-hmm. it's still a game that's very familiar. It's still yeah. what we know and love. It's just been tweaked. It uh, looks like for the better in most parts, especially if, yeah. if you like to run tanks. Uh, <laughs> you know, but in, in many ways, it looks like it's very, it's going to be very familiar. Kicker, are you ready for a shameless plug? All right. If if 10th edition felt overwhelming to you, you could head on over to the Play on Tabletop channel where Frontline Gaming has helped them create a how to play 10th edition series. So go check out the guys over on Play on Tabletop. Check out their how to play 10th edition if you want a full breakdown. I think that's going to be a great place for you to get that information um, because they they have been working hard on that for you guys. And and Nikki D, if if people want to pick up one of these beautiful new box sets, where, where, where do they go? Well, what I would do, Kicker, I would recommend them to just check the show notes that's here on this YouTube video, and there will be an mm-hmm. affiliate link to the uh, Frontline Gaming page. So uh, pre-order goes up June 10th. Uh, they will be available June 24th. So recommend checking that out, uh, helping out Kicker and the team at Frontline Gaming. Uh, we're all really excited for 10th edition. We're ready for it. I- I'm super excited. I could not be more pumped. And uh, I'm-, I'm waiting to get my Leviathan box, and I'm- I hope you are too. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, don't forget, put in the comments if you disagree with me. You know, I, I can take it. I'm a big guy. I can take it. But uh, we really thank you guys for checking out this series we did, the Signal Special Reports. Um, we're super excited. We're going to have some more things in the pipeline before the release of, of, of 10th edition completely comes out. Um, so be staying tuned to the Frontline Gaming YouTube channel. And until next time, uh, have a good one.